This is Helen Zaltzman, and you're listening to BFF.FM. BFF.FM. Best frequencies forever. Hello, darlings. You're tuned in to Heartbreak Ahead, Country Western and Esoterica. I'm your host, Catsy Pline, falling along with you in the endless starry night. Today, I have the immense pleasure of hosting the songbird of the Oakland Hills, angel-haired poet of lonesome highways and midnight blues, the San Francisco Rose herself, Desiree Cannon, Desiree, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. I am very glad that we were able to work this out. I did try and interview you earlier this year, and I completely fucked up the recording. So I wasn't able to share it with you all, um, but I'm glad that we're here today. Um, Let's start with maybe just telling us all a little bit about um, your music project. You have a band correct? Yes, I, um, I perform with a band and I also uh, perform solo and as a duo with um, uh, Evan, my friend Evan Hiller, who plays pedal steel, yeah. And um, how long have you had the band going for? Um, that has been, I guess, uh, around 2021. I think the first Run with the Moon show we had back at um, Applejack's. Uh, 
Uh, I had started recording a record in 2020 and, um, and it was really fun to build out the songs and the instrumentation. And so uh, I kind of continued with that. So it's been a couple years now of playing with a band. Yeah. And I'm curious about the instrumentation in your group. So you talked about how you have a pedal steel, you've got a whole band. Um, clearly there is like a strong country influence in the voices that you're using for your music. And I'm kind of curious why you're working with that arrangement style, like what drew you to it? Um, totally, yeah. So um, I grew up listening to a lot of country music. Um, my uh, family is involved in cattle ranching, cowboy culture, and so I was um, around uh, a lot of that uh, genre. Um, and um, yeah, so I um, I fell in love with music like by Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson and um, the like outlaw country style. Um, and uh, but yeah, I, I was interested in like finding a place where um, someone <clears throat> like myself would um, fit into that genre. And um, yeah, have like a little, uh, it's like sad rockin' country music, yeah. Sad and rockin', yeah, your record, uh, Beach Sleeper, which will be playing more of periodically throughout this. Um, I mean, there's lots of different influences in there, like that tune, uh, Bang Bang Baby is really fast and you like employ some distortion on your vocal and stuff. So it's clear to me that you have influences that are kind of outside of just country music itself. Um, I definitely hear some some rock influences in there for sure. Um, yeah, um, I actually, to that point, like uh, the way I like to think about making records um, or the way I made Be Beach Sleeper and the way that um, I have approached this new record that will be out in February is I think about it like, um, like the record itself is a circle. So I just envision it in like the shape of a circle and then um, all of these doors um, and like each song on the record is its own door. And, um, and so I think that like what I like to try to think about it as is that if I can, um, have like each song on the record reaching to a genre that has touched me and influenced me, um, then I can create an entryway for someone who might be more specifically listening to punk music and not, uh, as into more folky music, um, and but because of Bang Bang Baby, they can like enter into the rest of the record through that door. Um, and so, yeah, it's a fun kind of uh, way of considering like how how the, the record can be like a place that uh, can be explored too. Hmm. Right, so you're not really attempting to create something that's necessarily genre specific, but maybe a little more wide ranging um, and, uh, you know, whatever style is serving the composition that uh, you're you're drawing on lots of different things. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Waylon. Now I have uh, a desire to play some Waylon. So let's.
hop into one of my favorite Waylon tunes. I hope you like this one. It's called Old Five and Dimers Like Me. I've spent a lifetime making up my mind to be More than the measure of what I thought others could see Good luck and fast bucks are too far and too few between Cadillac buyers and old five and dimers like me She stood beside me Letting me know she would be Something to lean on When everything ran out on Fence yards ain't whole cards And like as not never will be Reason for rhymers And old five and dimers like me Taken me so long And now that I know I believe All that I do or say Is all I ever will be Too far and too high And too deep ain't too much to be Ain't enough for old five and dimers like me some records etc um we just heard from one of the greats of outlaw country waylon and you were discussing that specific sort of subgenre of country music's influence on you and i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how it shows up in your music and how you think about the outlaw part of outlaw country yeah, totally. Um, so 
I guess the way that it shows up for me, um, writing songs can be a different, or there's so many different ways that that happens for me. Uh, sometimes like it all pours out at once and, um, and then other times it, uh, is something where I'm really calling on someone and like, uh, asking like a hero of mine, like who has passed, like to come like help me with the song or like if I can like channel them through that song or like bring their, their magic and their influence into like a song. So I have like done that with various different songs. I'm thinking like, yeah, like fault line that, that one is like, um, Buck Owens. I was like, mm. <laughs> um, just cause I think his voice is so pretty. Mm, um, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I loved outlaw country, um, because, uh, of just like, I love electric guitar and I, I really love electric guitar. And so, and country music. And I think that, um, that, that genre, um, culturally has uh exists like it's it's pretty masculine i would say and um and so uh yeah i as a woman like presenting uh that genre of music i don't think it's as um palatable to like our culture and society um but uh it's something that really intrigues me and um and i really enjoy like occupying that space and in, in my gender and like in the like um the history of that music and like and I like to think about like just pressing on the boundaries in the same way that they were doing by like bringing um rock and roll elements of rock and roll and um that into the into country um music um so yeah and I guess I also would like to just acknowledge that um, yeah, that there's also like a lot of blues influence and the, uh, like tremendous influence of, um, like, uh, black American music, um, and on like the genre of country music and the invention of it really. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it is really funny how this genre that presents itself as being outside of the bounds of normal or straight society, um, living outside of the law ends up reinforcing a very normative um, understanding of gender and a very, very heavily masculinized definition of what it means to live outside of the law. Um, and like on the original comp, uh, that wanted outlaws comp. There was one woman on it, Jesse Coulter, and uh, she was married to Waylon Jennings. And so, um, you know, I think as a genre, when it was codified, it was very much um, codified in a very gendered way, um, which to me doesn't make any sense because all of the cool criminals I know are queers and not men. So, um, it's nice to see someone uh, attempting to to bring that sort of inf the influence of that genre outside of that sphere. Um, you talked a little bit about your songwriting process, um, and you talked about calling to ancestors or to your kind of lineage. 
Um, I'm wondering if you could maybe talk a little more about how you're writing songs. Um, like, where do you start usually? Yeah, definitely. Um, where do I start? I haven't, I've been writing like so many lines <laughs> recently. Um, and I think that definitely that, uh, you can always, like, I think that it is helpful for me sometimes if I begin with a line, like, um, to really take the time to sit down and, um, and see it to an entire vision, um, and like kind of, uh, work through it. And that can feel almost a little more academic, um, uh, that type of exploration. And then other times, I mean, I remember, um, one time in high school, like when I wrote, us like kind of, I think like, um, I mean, I wrote my first song when I was very young, but, um, when I was first starting guitar, but, uh, yeah, I like had a terrible cramp in my hand and it was just like driving me nuts. And I was like, really my I was kind of having like anxiety, I guess. Um, and I, uh, uh, the school I went to had a really cool music program and I like went into one of the rehearsal rooms and my friend, uh, Jeremy Dossiter's guitar was, uh, in the music room and, um, and it was in this beautiful open tuning. Um, and yeah, I just like sat down and wrote that entire song like, or, and, yeah, all at once. And that's how like Mountain Lion Mama was, um, uh, or Low Flying Angel. Um, some of those songs, like, I wrote like laying down in bed in the dark, a low flying angel. I did that, hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, a lot of the time it does it. I I think I like I after having some of those types of experiences of just like trans transforming emotion into like some something tangible or as tangible as music mm-hmm. is. Um, uh, I I am working to like balance that more with the with the more like concentrated academic like and or not necessarily academic but just like a little more methodical in the approach of of uh referencing a specific um artist I really like to do that as well like to really wink at like an artist through a song um that has influenced me because I just I love how art builds upon um other art and so yeah, I really try to do that, but yeah, I'm I'm working on like kind of collaborating those two methods. Yeah, I like the way that you put that. I mean, I think as a genre, country music is very much aware of its history, right? Like the sort of standards of the genre are oftentimes not attributable to a single artist, right? Because yeah. they're traditionals. And so there's a way in which the tunes are always referencing the community out of which they arose. And so the artists are always in conversation with the past um, in a way that other genres are not, which are more focused on um, individual authorship and um, permanent total reinvention. Um, And so, yeah, I can very much relate to this um, desire to, to call back and to see your work um, as being in conversation with all the people who have suffered and attempted to write in the past. <laughs> um, 
you mentioned I was I wanted to ask you uh, clarifying about you said when you're writing lines are you talking about like writing lyrics first and then you have your guitar or are you like are you starting with words or do you are you playing at the same time I'm usually playing at the same time yeah um usually I'll I'll uh yeah the melody and the chords will inform each other um but I also do end up writing a lot of melodies while while I'm driving. Hmm. Yeah. Are you on you voice memoing while you're driving? <laughs> I am a <laughs> I'm illegally voice memoing while I'm driving for well, you sure. You do make all outlaw country music, so you're breaking those laws. <laughs> I honestly was recently like, I wonder if there's like a button like in the same way where you can turn on your flashlight without unlocking your phone. I'm like, I should just get the like voice memo button to replace the flashlight button <laughs> million dollar idea all right let's play another one of desiree's tunes this one is called long road Thank you. 
Where does a donation to BFF.FM go? It goes to supporting underground artists in the Bay Area music scene, to the magic of internet radio, to keeping the metaphorical lights on. Donate today at BFF.FM slash donate to keep us on air, independent and commercial free. Hello again, Lonesome Angels. I am here with Desiree Cannon. Uh, You just heard her tune, Long Road. Um, I'm curious how being born and raised in the Bay has influenced your songwriting and arrangement style. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> I feel like I keep answering saying, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Um, being born and raised in the Bay. Uh, I grew up in San Francisco and, um, and my parents, my mom was a recording engineer. Um, and uh, my dad was a contractor. And um, yeah, they were both, my mom was from Walnut Creek and my dad um, hopped around, but uh, from like uh, San Benito County um, where uh, his dad, my grandpa has a cattle ranch there. And so I grew up, um, between San Francisco, um, in like a very, I mean, this city is like, uh, profoundly like, um, culturally influential and, um, and so, yeah, I had this kind of more liberal world and then also, um, uh, going to, uh, visit my, grandparents or cousins and um and spending time like uh I don't know uh when you're a little kid your first job at like the branding is the ball bucket kid so like that's you like walk around and collect the balls like in a little tin bucket and then like afterwards we would all have like uh play like um kind of like not my or just like uh tag or we would just throw the like ball sacks at each other like um (laughs) and so there was this kind of yeah and I'd be like bringing like little horns and stuff to show and tell um in kindergarten so that was like kind of this um this place where then I kind of straddled and like oh well um I don't uh, I I was kind of exploring both of those worlds or that's what I feel like my life has been a lot about is exploring both of those worlds and figuring out like how to how what they are yeah I guess (laughs) and so musically I mean it kind of makes sense because you have this more uh like 
you have the more country and the more sort of ranch <laughs> ranch uh influence in it with with uh the more folk and countryside and then you have this sort of city energy where it's more upbeat it's electrified distortion affected um that makes a lot of sense. You can really hear that in your tunes. And, um, oh, God. And in San Francisco, too, I think, and in the Bay Area in general, I mean, this is just like such an incredible place where nature and um, the city are weaving together. Um, and I always, like, growing up, was just obsessed with, like, Twin Peaks and whatever patches of earth or, like, in the Presidio, whatever patches of earth that would, like, um, that you can go explore in and so i think that like yeah that is a really beautiful beautiful thing about this place too that was is special yeah <laughs> definitely um i think finding the patches um that are existing outside of the cracks of the urban environment um are really important to explore i wanted to ask you uh a kind of specific question about the emotional tenor of your music. Um, overall, the disposition of Beach Sleeper is lonesome and blue, tales of heartache, substance abuse, love gone wrong. What makes the hard times worth singing about, and how do you situate the emotional palette within the history of the musical traditions you draw from? Um, yeah, well, they say that our current economy is worse than it was in the Great Depression. I think I heard that, but don't quote me. Um, sure. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. So I feel like there is like a lot, um, of, uh, topical, uh, mirroring happening with some of the early, um, uh, examples or content of, um, Folk, country folk and that music and uh, the climate of our culture and society today our culture and society today um and uh yeah i think what makes the blues worth singing about well i guess i've always had the blues a little bit <laughs> um same yeah uh and i just came that way and um and I think, uh, yeah, I think recently the way that, um, well, I, I moved out of the city and I live in the country and I feel so grateful for that because I'm just like in constant conversation with nature like we were talking about earlier. But, um, and, uh, and I think one thing that like, I really have learned or that I feel like nature has like taught me um, or shown me is that like um, our pain uh, doesn't disappear with us when we die. I don't think that. And um, and that maybe that's why like we came into the world blue. <laughs> like I mean that must that must make sense because like yeah if we come in like that. So our pain doesn't like disappear or die with us when we die. And I know there's um, you know uh the inherited trauma and a lot of research around that, which is super fascinating. Um, but I, I kind of envision it like there's this giant cloud and I call it the pain cloud. And, um, 
and the pain cloud, I think, um, I think sometimes, unfortunately, like some people can just be like a funnel for the pain cloud here on earth. And like, um, and that's like part of their journey, their soul's journey. But um, what I really try to think about is that like what art can do is that it can transform that pain. And, um, and I've been really like exploring too with like kind of um, experiences like with other people's pain too and transforming that. And that comes up in like my songwriting as well. Like um, doing this, that like extra work, the psychic work of like transforming someone else's pain as well through music. Um, and yeah, I think that like part of, well, at least what I have come to believe at this time in my life is that like I just want to do as much as I can to to create art and to transform uh pain into something that other people can um can take that song and put their it can be like a vessel for their pain as well um or uh like so it can provide comfort and release in that sense um uh or Perhaps it's like happy. Maybe they have, but maybe they love feeling the blues. Like I get that too. So, um, but yeah, I, I, um, I think that the genre itself, I mean, comes out of, I think, um, the inexplicable pain of slavery and slave songs in America. And so when we like, source it to that and like the power of music and the like spirituality of music um uh it's really just like an honor to contribute i mean my life i feel so lucky in so many ways um that yeah i but i do still have like very much the blues <laughs> um and so yeah i definitely like feel very honored to be participating in this like lineage of transforming pain um, and uh, yeah, making art with people. <laughs> yeah, that's really well put. Yeah, songs as a as a way of instituting a process of uh, collective transformation, um, some kind of shared acknowledgement of the. Uh, suffering and misery that comes with life um and yes. its beauty as well um on that note let's play another tune um this song is um someone that i think you like it's uh lucinda williams it's called overtime Thank you. 
A lot of times, the music world can feel like it's been reduced to streaming platforms where we're all reduced to play accounts and ad targets. So community radio has the opportunity to be a light in that darkness. Community radio can give a voice to those who need it, help people discover new sounds and ideas, and help us all feel a lot less lonely. BFF.FM is community radio doing just that. We're a beacon of light in San Francisco's music scene. We amplify the voices of underrepresented musicians, and our DJ community is a diverse group of people who love radio and support and empower each other. Become a part of the magic by making a donation to BFM today at bff.fm slash donate. Hello again, darlings. You're tuned in to Heartbreak Ahead. I'm sitting here with Desiree Cannon. Um, Des, I'm curious, you talked a little bit about 
your influences. Uh, you mentioned Waylon and Willie. You just played a Lucinda track. Um, but I'm wondering kind of who your main inspirations are uh, for your music. Um, I would say... Um, I remember when I, I moved to New York in 2011 and, um, I, uh, basically had this CD from this, um, squat church of this woman, um, singing a few songs, uh, and her name is Kiki Cavazos and, um, yeah, and it was, um, she was friends of friends. And, um, and when I heard her voice, it was like a low female voice and, um, and she was singing sad songs. And I think I had always just been a little bit insecure around, um, having a low female voice and singing sad songs. It's just like a lot. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it, and it was in incredible to hear it done beautifully and and it um kind of in some ways like really uh gave or I had an experience with myself through the music where I like gave myself permission to exist as I am <laughs> and sing the songs I want to sing with a low voice and um because before that there was a, lo a lot of like you know sing higher happier songs and stuff like that and it's just like not really who I am so um, Kiki Cavazos is a huge influence for me. She doesn't have a lot of music out, um, but she's also a dear friend and incredible person. And um, yeah, and I highly recommend um, watching the videos. Uh, Western as Fuck has put out some videos um, cool. of hers. And uh, there's, yeah, there's some stuff on Bandcamp that just came out recently. And then another influence of mine, I'd say, would be um kind of like outside the outside of music um but a photographer Larry Sultan who is um was from the bay area and um taught at SFAI and CCA and uh both um uh the Oakland CCA C and SFAI um that are both closed which is like such a tragedy um that the bay is like let those two schools slip through the craps. I mean, or the cracks. Uh, I know SF has the CCA campus, but it's not the same. Um, so yeah, uh, Larry Sultan was, um, is an incredible influence on my life in general. I think like I studied photography and I think photography and music have a really special relationship with each other um, because they're both really magical. It's like making a picture out of light and then like, making a sound like out of your body and tying it to an emotion it feels um all just like so intangible and yet it's this thing that kind of builds the walls or the world or the way that i feel like so much of our experience today is like pictures and music are like um both really uh circulating forms of um expression in our world but photography fine art photography i think is really fascinating and the way that 
um, Larry Salton, his lectures um, are super interesting and his writing is what mainly really inspires me and how he discusses like ambiguity and how life, searching for the ambiguity in life. And that's something that I think a lot about when I'm writing music and writing lyrics is like, um, how can I tell a story and also let it be something that um, that people can have their own narrative and project their own experiences onto and like searching for that kind of in-between. He refers to it a lot as like an in-between moment and um, or in photography, it's also called the punctum, which I love that word because it makes me think of a punk kingdom. <laughs> but it's like the moment like right before two things are about to touch and like the tension that exists in that empty space and how like that empty space can just hold all of this feeling and it's so small and nothing's there and it's like and it's the the uh gravitational like force or it's yeah it's the thing that the rest of the picture is spiraling around so i think i love like thinking about art visual art too and and yeah and how that relates to music totally um i was recently watching the uh rio Ryuchi Sakamoto documentary, uh, Koda. Uh, he's a, a recently deceased Japanese experimental composer. And um, he was working on his new record um, kind of as he was in the process of dying or getting cancer. And he was looking at this book of Polaroids by Andrei Tarkovsky, uh, the Russian filmmaker. And he was just sitting at his synthesizer looking at these Polaroids and was trying to capture the emotions in the Polaroids um, through his playing. Um, and I, I do think it's it, there is some intense relationship between visual art um, and es especially kind of more esoteric pursuits of uh, uh, photography um, with with music, so it makes sense to me why you would pull that out. But you mentioned Larry Sultan's writing as being really influential in how you um, think about songs and how you write songs. And so that kind of made me curious about um, learning more about other influences, um, other writers or philosophers that um, inspire you or that you draw upon for your work. Yes, um, I... Uh, East of Eden is definitely like a, a meaningful book in my life. Or when I moved to New York, um, I was extremely lonely and couldn't believe that there wasn't a horizon line. I mean, I'd never really spent any time there. Um, but uh, yeah, I would just like sketch out the the sky, the geometric shape of the sky in my notebook and like write emo poems in the in these weird geometric shapes that the buildings were carving out of the sky and would, and I would walk like from Brooklyn to the um, West village for school, like and reading, reading a lot of Steinbeck and Louis L'Amour. Um, and that was when I was living with my grandparents and working for them. Uh, my grandpa has like a floor to ceiling book, case of Louis L'Amour books and it was so special because at the time also I was really like living that life and waking up like before the sun and like 
yeah, do building fence and stuff like that. Um, and so, um, yeah, like reading the, that literature. I mean, it really reads like uh, you can get a lot of Louis Moore books actually in um, a lot of like gas stations and truck stops. Mm -hmm. So I also really like the accessibility of it. And I really, um, I mean, I also then read his uh, autobiography, Education of a Wandering Man. And I was very inspired by that autobiography um, because he dropped out of school at like, I don't know, 13 or 15 during the Great Depression to like work and stuff. And he just worked on all these different jobs. And he like was very aligned with his role in life is to collect stories and to and to tell them. And he's written so many books so many yeah so many books and but it was amazing reading his autobiography because uh so much of the experiences that the characters have in his books he has experienced in his own life from working all of these crazy jobs because that's how he collected he would work on ships or like like mines or different random places and 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 then at the campfire at night was like where he would collect these stories and he knew that these stories were like disappearing quickly. Mm. And um, yeah, so I really, uh, and I also loved like reading more of his autobiography and I would just be so interested if he were alive today, how his voice would participate like in today's conversation. And I just, I feel like he would write like a gay country story a hundred percent. Like I just <laughs> like, yeah, he would write like the like, lesbian cowboy story that um the yeah we all need that, that. we need it <laughs> so i yeah because he he makes a point in his books as well to just like um yeah there's i think just also elements of like that the time period and the legends that he's drawing on of like um it is like a little more about like surviving like figuring out how to like yeah live yeah, I grew up reading Louis L'Amour books as well. Um, I feel like I must have read 20 stories about the Hatfields and the McCoys totally. that Louis L'Amour wrote. Um, certainly an architect of uh, the fading Western frontier um, in that early part of the 20th century. Um, I'm going to get back to playing some of your music. Uh, this is one of my favorite tunes of yours. Down underground I saw you fighting I know how it feels When the world keeps denying So here take my line and go Call your baby I know how it feels When love makes you crazy I can tell you once I can tell you twice I mean what you hear Right here. 
You see, I'm in love with this woman I don't think she knows Without any words, she decided to go Still here with Desiree Cannon. Got a few more minutes left. Um, gonna ask you uh, rapid fire questions. These are a little different in nature, maybe a little sillier. Um, last record you cried to? Your record. <laughs> Incandescent fire. <laughs> okay, well that's sick, I guess. Um, it's true. Sick for me. Um, best album to make out to? Oh, okay. I answered this one last time pretty good with, I mean, great with Amelia Jackie's um, album. But I was, um, yeah, I would, I would probably Amelia Jackie's record is very sexy. I think it's super okay. good. I'm not familiar. Yeah, I'll, I'll, send I'll it have to, to you. I'll have to try it out. Okay. Um, first album that made you question the nature of reality. Um. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon. It's no, actually, class. that no. <laughs> Honestly, I think it was. Pro- I think it was like Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Yeah. Okay. But like, but then one. No. Oh no. It was. I mean, I guess the Ramones. That was like the first. I got the box set of the Ramones, and that was the first like CD I chose. Wow. And then I wrote a musical, uh, and wrote and directed a musical with all my cousins to the Ramones, but it got canceled. <laughs> I got sent to church camp <laughs> instead. <laughs> you were too punk rock. Yeah. You're like, we got to nip this in the butt, but <laughs> it did not work out. Um, yeah, I feel that. The Dead Kennedys uh, record, was it Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables? Oh, totally. Yeah, that yeah, was one of the Kennedy. ones that turned me into a yeah. little shit. So. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. There'll always be a moon over Marin. <laughs> <laughs> um... Worst color for pants. Worst color for pants. Rapid fire. Um, oh my gosh. I can't imagine like a bad color of pants. You can't imagine a bad color for pants. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I would say like whatever color is sometimes in the smell of like 7 Elevens across the country. <laughs> you know, if like that smell could be a color, that okay. would be wow. an appropriately esoteric answer. <laughs> Um, most unreasonable yet intense pet peeve. Um, mouth noises. I know we are all just trying to chew. I'm sometimes trying to just chew, and I can't. <laughs> I can't do it because I'm hearing myself in 
my own in and out inside and outside of my head i'm like hearing the mouth noises um <laughs> but uh yeah so chewing with chewing with mouths open but also i'm like i just think that eating is a beautiful thing and that everyone should experience it how they want right but you're telling people how to eat now so <laughs> no i fully agree um loud chewers are not not invited to the function. <laughs> um, well, we are at time. Darlings, that's the show. I hope you find shelter from the unfolding disaster, the poetry of high Sierra flowers, the will to struggle for beauty amidst our collective immiseration. Till the time be on the clock in the wage, I'm Katzi Pline. Desiree, thank you so much for coming in. What a joy to speak with you. Thank you so much, Katzi Plan. I'm going to play y'all out to two legends of the pedal steel collaborating. This is Shot Jackson and Buddy Emmons' cover of Honky Tonk Angels. Mm-hmm.